Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am Jahananan. I am Casualty City G. Uh, I'm a retired child crimes and human trafficking detective turned tabletop titan and improv comedian. skiddly bap bap bow And I am Drew Munhausen, and I like movies so much so that some may call me the professional media and movie mastermind the fun house and this is episode 40 the big four zero of mm. fresh out the podcast how are each of you doing this evening doing good drew how are you doing i'm still reeling from so if anybody listened to the episode the podcast episode from last week um John acted <laughs> as if he knew nothing about the Will Smith Chris Rock slap incident at the Oscars. What happened between Played... Will Smith and Chris Rock? <laughs> he acted so oblivious to it to the point where I started to believe him, but I also know that he likes to really commit to these bits and pull pull these little pranks on me. And I will say that as I, I was embarrassed in the moment on the show, I just tried to keep <laughs> the show moving along. When we went off the air, I addressed John about it once again and said, hey, you know, you were messing with me, right? And he said, no, 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 no. Tell me. Tell me what what happened. What happened? And, and continued playing the bit until I finally explained to him what happened, only for then at that point for him to tell me no. that it wasn't. <laughs> he refused to tell me what happened, and so I was like, fine, I'll just watch it myself, and I Googled it. And because I-, <laughs> I knew, I knew the moment that I gave in and actually told you what happened, that you would say, yeah, you stupid idiot, I already knew about you that, it's knew, everywhere. and How- yet, here we are. <laughs> and yet, I still got to that point. You played it so well uh. that I got to that point where I finally told you. Yeah, man, you really <laughs> ate that up. You fell right into the trap, and he slurped I- you up. I did. Yeah, I did. Me and Gary, and me and Gary truly, had signed on ahead of time to that. I truly was horrified and embarrassed in the moment when we were live recording. I'm not, you know, I didn't edit it out of the show. I'm not going to do any. I <laughs> considered it in, in the moment. Um, but I just have to, I have to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, thanks, man. Because when you stick to the bit that well, the bit only works if you stick to the bit. Hey, man, that's, that's, that's show business. <laughs> oh man well this is our you know every other week we've been kind of starting to fill in our what we've been watching what we've been playing episodes and so here we are again with a bunch of movies and shows and things that we've been watching last week we talked about halo and moon Knight and some things you know that we could talk about a, a little bit more in depth um, and this will be more of just, hey, what, you know, the cool things we've been checking out. And uh, who wants to kick it off today? I, I'll talk about Tiny Tina's Wonderland because I was going to talk about it last week, but I I realized we were short on time and I had a lot to say about it. Um, I did not think I was going to like Tiny Tina's Wonderland. I was already decided before I bought it that I wasn't going to like it. And then I found out that two of my best friends, uh, of course, Justin and Lee, were both buying it. And I was like, well, I'll, you know, I'll get it if they're getting it. At least I have somebody to play with. Um, I'm already max level. 
Iron Marty multiclassed. I'm doing like the after max level where you get like a percentage of a fraction of a point of experience type of stuff. Um, I'm in the late game and I'm loving it. I, I love, I, I still haven't beaten the story of Tiny Tina, but I'm fully maxed out. My build is insane. I'm just like a crit monster. And when you go down in Tiny Tina, if you kill an enemy, you can get back up. And since my entire build is just like crit, nasty, insane, I always kill somebody when I'm down because everything's a one hit. So I'm just having a lot of fun running around, throwing swords, just massacring fields of enemies who can't do anything to stop me. Um, the only real punishment is whenever you're in a boss fight and it's a single boss who doesn't spawn mobs and you're, you just can't afford the glass cannon anymore. Um, it has a lot of classes in it. It's got, I think, six classes or seven. You can multi-class no matter what you do. When you hit level, I think, 12, you unlock a second multi-class tree. Um, the classes seem to have a lot of synergy in between them, so it's almost hard to make a bad combination. Um, the multiplayer, even though they said they were having some issues with their matchmaking towards the beginning, we've been able to play almost problem-free. I think there was only one night when we couldn't get on. Um, I lagged really bad the first night. Other than that, the matchmaking's been great. Um, I think that as the story progresses, uh, it's it's starting to evolve, and I think that uh, maybe some characters are uh, of different alliances than I had initially anticipated. So at least the story is compelling. The voice acting as funny as I've heard. I've heard it's one of the funniest of the Borderlands games. So I think that the Borderlands games are right on the edge of just being annoying as shit. Uh, <laughs> I don't think that the Borderland games are all that funny. I really think that it's almost a junior high slapstick sense yes. of humor thing. It is. Um, I don't think Borderlands is funny. Uh, but this one has a lot of uh, fantasy references. Like, there's a guy named, like, Ron Rihote. And you go to help Ron Rihote, and the entire time you're trying to help him, he's just hitting a windmill with his lance. And he's like, ha-ha, I'll stop him, you stop his vile spawn! And so he's just blasting a windmill while you fight a bunch of goblins. And so that was funny to me. That's funny. Uh, there's, like, an enemy called, like, Ry Ryrax or Rygax or something like that, and it's a demon that you have to fight. And so, you know, there, there's, there's some fun stuff like that for the fantasy nerds. Uh, there's been enough to keep me going. Every map has, like, 8 to 12 hidden golden D20s. So for the collector in you that wants to go explore the maps, there's that. Uh, and it's, that's been a lot of fun for me, too. I've been playing with my wife, Annie, and we've been playing together, and we just got all the golden D20s on a certain level. We were like, hell yeah, and fist pounded, because you know how taxing that can be sometimes without a guide. Uh, every level has an extra secret boss. There's tons of loot. Um, it's a looter shooter, right? So Tiny Tina's Adventure is easy to play, four-player co-op, and most of the classes have a summon. So even if you're playing by yourself, you're not really playing alone. You still get that party element. The last thing I'll talk about is the voice acting. The main characters that you hear over your intercom the whole time. So the story setting is you're in a spaceship that's grounded. You're at a table playing bunkers and bad Bad guys or something. Bunkers Bunkers and badasses, B and B. And the people you're at the table with are uh, Andy Samberg and, oh, what is her name? I just forgot the lady's name. Uh, it's not Miss, it's it's not Missy Elliott, but I'll get back around to it. (laughs) 
But it's it's seriously it's it's like a really big uh, ultra famous black female comedian. Oh, Wanda just, Sykes. Wanda Sykes. Yeah, uh, I was gonna say when you hear her voice, you'll remember. Wanda Sykes has a memorable voice. So Andy Samberg, Wanda Sykes, and then the bad guy, the Dragon Lord, is Will Arnett. Mm-hmm. And so you have this this full cast of talent the entire time. You're just being peppered with pretty funny stuff. Um, yeah, I, I would say it's it's worth definitely buy it on a sale if you can. I paid full price, but I didn't pay the ninety dollar collector edition or the seventy dollar collector edition. Just the regular game. Um, the only thing you get if you pay more is are like skin swaps, colors, uh, just a couple of color schemes. You don't get a vehicle or I don't yeah. think there's any special epic legendary weapons. So, uh, you have an Xbox X, Series X, right? I do. Yeah, so you bought it for the Xbox Series X, boom, you have it. If you buy there's one of the upgrades, which is the one I got, it gives you skins and stuff, but it also uh, allows you, if you ever get an Xbox Series X, to upgrade for free. So it's got one of those optimized things. Uh so that's that's one of the reasons to do the bundle, but you didn't have to because you have a Series X. So. That's correct. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely be picking it up at some point. I uh, I just have some other games I'm playing right now, and I knew I wasn't going to be able to give it the yeah. attention, or I didn't want to I didn't want to distract myself. Um, but the nice thing is, because I like the Borderlands games a lot, but the nice thing is they really do a good job of updating them with dlc and content and usually they end up releasing a version down the line that has all the dlc and everything included so that's probably what i'll do with tiny tina's wonderlands is once they've once it's complete and there's all the dlc packs out and stuff i'll probably buy a bundle that has everything in it speaking of updating the game they have done some quality of life things like whenever you used to open your item box your items would just blast out all over the floor and anybody could pick them up that was in the room uh now only your items show up on the floor so you can properly trade your stuff uh, instead of like a first come first serve grab type of situation, um, you can mantle, you can slide, you can do all the things that first person shooters these days need yeah. you to do to get around the level. Um, and they have a really really good mini map for the for finding those golden d20s I was telling you about. Uh, it will really show you like you can't jump to that ledge. It's not on the mini map. It's not rendered, so you know you don't need to waste time trying to jump to that ledge. So I'm really appreciative of, of even the small things like their mini-map. Uh, there are just a lot of things in Tiny Tina's Wonderlands that are excel my expectations. So exceed them, rather. I also bought it. And I also played it. I played the first Borderlands game. It was pretty fun. I have some bad experiences with the second third one. Not a big Borderlands guy, honestly. Uh, the humor is juvenile. Uh, you know, not like I'm the most mature person, but it gets, it wears. Um, and the looter shooter aspect, the looter shooter formula, like I do not, it's not for me. I don't enjoy it. Uh, If you enjoy it, fine. It's just so boring to me. You're just doing, you're just killing mobs and then like, oh, your guns are better now. You can kill better mobs. But like all the mobs, in my opinion, fight the same, you know, they have some subtle differences, like one of them might, you know, instead of throwing a sword, they, like, throw their arm bone, or something, but they're still throwing a, a at you, and, you know, that's it, like, it's, it's repetitive, it's boring, it's fun with friends, I had fun playing with Gary and Lee and Justin, 
Uh, it was cool to have a party of four playing that. We had some really funny moments, like that whole thing with the boat, Gary. That was really funny. Uh, I don't want to spoil that one for anybody, but that was really funny. Uh, and you know, some of the bosses are cool. I do enjoy a lot of the D and D references. It does at time feel very pandering. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, we know what D&D is, kids. Like, we're cool. We're hip. We're with it. Uh, but I, a lot of it is cool. Like, there's a whole scene where they're role-playing with each other. I really enjoy, like, how when you're watching the original characters fight, like, the first boss battle, one of them is, like, the new player. And it's like, oh, your mini's not even painted yet. And it's just, like, you have, like, this generic hero character that has no color on it. It's just a gray plastic model. Uh, But you see it, like, emoting and moving and doing stuff. Uh, And then, like, your first person, you're this, like, ambiguous character you don't know like your gender or whatever your character is ill-defined uh and then they're like who do you want to play as and then you the character creation is pretty cool which in previous borderlands games there is none like you pick a pre-made like i'm not i'm not a psychic i'm this psychic you know what i mean but in this one, you get to fully customize your character, pick your class. I love character customization. It, like, I definitely, yeah, it's definitely cool. There is some improvements. It's not the worst game I've ever played, but it is boring and repetitive. And if you don't like Borderlands and that formula, it's, I, I would not suggest this game to you. Yeah, they don't fix their, they, it's not that they fix it. They don't change their formula. It's still the same game as it always yes. was. Uh, the guns are even almost the exact same as they ever were. The Torg guns still shoot sticky balls that blow up later. Yeah. Uh, the Hyperion guns still form a force field whenever you aim down sights. So there are a lot of things that, you know, just feel like they skin-swapped Borderlands 3 and punched it up a little bit. It doesn't particularly exactly feel like this... Exactly feels like yeah, to me. doesn't particularly feel like this new masterpiece. Um to your point about the enemies being repetitive, almost all of them are completely the same. There's the enemies that run at you, and there's the enemies that try to hide behind stuff. And occasionally, you'll get the enemy who runs at you and blows up or tackles you, or uh, some of the dragons try to blow you off the ledge. Um, but the later I got in the game, I did come across some pretty cool Cyclops enemies that after you kill the Cyclops, then the Eyclops pops out of the top, uh, and the flying eye flies around and shoots lasers at you. And I thought that was a nice change of pace. Fair. Uh, but that's one new enemy out <laughs> yeah. of close to 14 hours of gameplay. Yeah. Um, but that's, you know, what Borderlands is. You're it's absolutely right. You run through, you kill everything, you pick up the shiny stuff, and you do it in the next zone, and you do it in the next zone. And that, to me, does not scream longevity. I will no. play this game, and I'll beat the main story, and maybe I will play it again as a different class with a different subclass and beat the story again. But that'll be it. Um, there's nothing about looter shooters that keep me glued to them. But I do like Tiny Tina's Wonderland quite a lot. I'm going to say it's pretty fresh. And I will disagree. <laughs> but, you know, it, honestly, if you like looter shooters, this game might be great for you. But I do not. So. Cool. And, Jahan, I see you've uh, been playing some more Elden Ring. Assuming you're still liking that. Yeah, man, I took a break. Like, I, I have all these other games I got, which I'll talk about a little later. Uh, I wound up picking up the Ukraine bundle from Humble Bundle, which I tried to share with a bunch of people. It was a crazy bunch of games. But yeah, uh, Elden Ring, I went back to it uh, to kind of clean the taste of Tiny Tina's out of my mouth a little bit. Because uh, I don't have as much time to game these days, and I really want it to be fun. 
Elden Ring is fantastic, dude. Like I'm in a new, I went to a new zone. Uh, the quests are interesting. Like you talk to the NPC, you don't have a quest tracker. It doesn't tell you like what you need to do. You talk to them, you listen to what they say, and then you figure out what you have to do. Um, you know, I cleared a keep for this lord. He promised to knight me. Uh, he, and then, like, I met him at the keep, and, like, he was, like, he had failed somehow, and was like, I'm not worthy to knight you. I don't know. It was cool. And then, um, some other storyline where they sent me on a quest for, like, a golden needle, but you have to figure out where it is. They do not tell you. Uh, they give you, like, a vague description. And I got into another awesome boss fight with uh, this general guy that summons a ghost army. Uh, and it was just fantastic. I had a lot of fun. Um, I Elden Ring, I, I am a fan of Dark Souls. Dark Souls is not for everybody. Elden Ring is, it, it fixes so many of the problems simply by making it an open world. The fact that you're not stuck on the thing that's kicking your ass, you can just go somewhere else is huge. It changes everything, and it makes the game way more fun, way more playable. Um, and I don't know, I'm starting to get cool gear and stuff, it's starting to get more powerful, and I'm starting to feel it, and it's been really cool. Uh, and discovering secrets in that game remind me of old-school video games, where, like, man, you have to, like, read... Like, I remember in, like, Elder Scrolls games, you used to, I used to read, like, the novels, like, the book books, and, like, they would say stuff in there... And you could turn that information into gameplay. Like, I remember if you read all the books on Necromancery, the actual books, you could figure out how to make black soul gems in the game. Uh, but they don't ever tell you. You know what I mean? It's like you have to do the deep dive on the lore to get some of the secrets. And Elder Ring has some of that. And it's it's rewarding. I've heard so many good things about it that if one of the two following things happens, I will play it. Either one, it's added to Xbox Game Pass. Mm -hmm. I'll play it if it's on Game Pass. Or two, if it gets down in price to the point where it's $19.99, maybe $29.99, I might yeah. pick it up and try it and just give these games a try since this one's been such a phenomenon. But it'd have to be one of those. I just can't pay full price for it and then decide... Yeah. Yeah, that it's just still not for me. That's fair. That's fair. I understand, you know, you tried Dark Souls and you didn't like it, and this is still a Souls game. And it's heart. It's very much a Souls game. So um, I bought a pack for PlayStation when I first got my PlayStation that was Dark Souls, I think, 2 and 3. It might have been 3 and 4. And I played them, and I, I did not like them. And then I played the Star Wars uh, Jedi... Fallen Order. No, Jedi Star Wars. Fallen, Fallen Order. Yeah. I played Fallen Order, did not like that. Also, so Souls I yeah. I think that I'm out on Souls games, but like Drew said, this one has been a phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, it's it, and it looks when I watch the videos, the boss fights are so cool and the animation is so cool that it just seems compelling enough that even if it's a Souls game, maybe it's just better than the other ones. Yeah. Um but maybe not. I, I and, and I'm with Drew. I'm scared to spend sixty dollars on it because that's, I'm just That's completely uh, fair. Uh yeah, no, I'm glad you guys awesome though. I'm glad you guys are digging into the conversation a little bit here. Because uh, it, it is very cool. Uh yeah, you probably had Dark Souls two and three. Dark Souls two is garbage, like universally <laughs> reviled. Three is good. Um one was the one I played mostly, and that one's fantastic. Uh but that one is needlessly punishing. 
Um, yeah, you're running around. See, the thing about this game, the thing about Elden Ring, these are cool boss fights, man. These are cool boss fights. They're epic. They're devastatingly dangerous. And then on top of all that, you are transversing one of the most beautiful open worlds, man. It's so, crazy. Elden Ring, to me, almost looks like if you took away all the health in and all the puzzles in Zelda. Kinda. Uh, and then you told Link to go have a boss fight in every field instead of just a boss fight every couple hours. Mm. Uh, everywhere there should be a puzzle, there's a boss fight instead. And kind so of. It, it's almost like Zelda for adults to me. Uh, you just go and it's this dark Zelda world. There are no puzzles. There's just punishment around every corner. Another boss <laughs> fight. Another interesting boss fight with all these different modes and morphs that you have to learn to fight the boss. Which is cool to me. Again, sorry to keep saying it's cool, but it's a it's a boss fight. You know, uh, everyone loves a good boss fight. That's like that's that's what you always you're you're aiming for the boss fight. You're trying to get to the boss fight in every game. Yeah. So a game full of these boss fights just is so attractive. You know, you you get to fight every puzzle in a 3D environment, and everything's going to change every time, basically. Uh, I'm excited, man. I I really do think I'm going to like it, but I don't want to spend sixty dollars. Yeah, I mean, it is Bandai Namco, uh, and they they put their games on sale. They do sales. It's not Nintendo. Nintendo never puts their games on sale. This game will probably drop in price, especially uh, you know if it becomes game of the year. You know, game of the year editions tend to be cheaper. They also tend to like when they hit gold or platinum or whatever. And this game probably will. So. Elden Ring. Would you say it's fresh, Jahan? Oh, certified fresh. I mean, it's a cultural phenomenon. Nasty fresh. It's it's nasty fresh. Absolutely. It's it, it's one of the single greatest games I've ever played. Speaking it, of nasty so fresh, uh, I've been playing something I think that you would like, and maybe nobody else in the entire world. <laughs> that um, sounds. I I do like those games. Yeah. It is called Tainted Grail. Oh yeah, Tainted and... Grail, based on the board game by Awakened Realms. Yeah. See, I knew that you would like this. I knew. How did I know? <laughs> so it it actually is kind. Of, it's it's a roguelike deck builder. So I'm in, right? You've got me a roguelike deck builder. I'll at least give it a shot. And the world is covered in like shadowy darkness. Mm. So you have to have torches to figure out what you're going to fight or what you're going to fight as a random enemy. And that's sort of how their map works. Every single time the game starts, you start in a village and you keep the people who you've brought to that village before. And the reason I played this game is because it's now on Game Pass. Let me Tainted yeah. Grail is on Game Pass. So the the 3D environment outside changes every time. Sometimes you're in the woods, sometimes you're in the mountains, the rivers, the, the monsters are different, the bosses are different, the loot is different, and the story, it's an RPG, the story is different every time. Um, but your decisions from before sometimes matter and sometimes they don't. So it's a really neat RPG roguelike deck builder um, it's very kind of grim, dark setting, and it's seemingly super lethal compared to the other roguelikes I've played. So um, if you're into punishing games, if you're into dark uh, kind of grim settings, yeah. fantasy worlds, uh, I'd say pick it up. It's on Game Pass for free. Give it a shot. So, I like roguelike deck builders, though. So yeah, th so this is based off of a board game by Awakened Realms Publishing. They make one of my favorite board games nemesis which is like an aliens like a five hour long 
slog through essentially the first Aliens movie. Um, they make this game. They make several others that I have coming in Kickstarter right now. Uh, Tainted Grail was one that I missed out on, unfortunately, uh, but it's based on like uh, uh, that Arthurian lore with like Avalon, King Arthur, Excalibur, that kind of stuff. Um, and it looks like fun. I'm glad you liked it. Uh, I might. I haven't tried this, and it is free, so I probably will. Yeah, I think that you will like Tainted Grail. And uh, Drew, I I wouldn't be like rush out, drop what you're doing, play Tainted <laughs> Grail. Uh, not at all. Roguelike game. Dark, punishing, uh, if you just want to sit around and play cards and lose all day by yourself, that's the game for you. Man, I feel... Uh, I like roguelike games. They help pass the time. I feel like you've really become, like, the roguelike deck builder guy. Like, lately, like, you just, you're just crushing them, man. It's crazy. All the time you put in a monster train. I still, I still love Griftlands, too. I'm still playing Griftlands back and forth, and I've, seriously, I've put, like, maybe 15, 16 hours into Griftlands, and I have not beat a single campaign yet there are three <laughs> characters and each character has seven stories and i haven't beat the first story with a single character after 14 hours so if you like roguelike games you'll just sit around and lose by yourself all day that's i'm okay with that because then i'll get really really good at the game and i'll Is be this the one that i was like hey gary i haven't played this but i think you might like it which one griftlands yeah yeah, Griftlands is really good. I'm looking if, at it right now. Yeah, no, it does look like fun. If you can pick up Griftlands for, like, I don't know, maybe $25 or so, it's yeah. worth the pickup. I also enjoy the roguelike uh, deck builders. Hell um, yeah, the man. The other game I've played on Game Pass, I would say Tainted Grail is uh, it's maybe not so fresh. I wouldn't pay money for it, but it's on Game Pass and it's free and it's a deck builder. So I'll play it until it's not there. Um, Fair. The other thing that's on Game Pass that just popped up is Crusader Kings 3, mm. which I have been... I, I wanted to play it on PC months ago, and then I moved and reset up my stuff, and I'm just not really a PC gamer. I really never have been. I like my console, and so I didn't get around to it. And all of a sudden, kaboom, Crusader Kings 3 is on Xbox Series X on console, and yeah. it's in the, the Game Pass store for free, which is a bonus. Because I I might have actually spent money on Crusader Kings three, I'm glad I didn't have to. Um, it is probably really fun, but you have to you're Get managing to a kingdom, and in that kingdom you're managing yeah. the three baronies, and, and or or rather inside your county you have the three baronies, and your county is inside of a, a nation, and then the nation has a nation next to it, and a nation next to that. And you have to wind up having uh, bannermen and assigning them names like Earl of Edinburgh or else they won't respect you enough. Yeah. So you have to upgrade people. You have to pay for relationships. You have to marry off Bro. your kids to the next kingdoms over to form alliances. I played like, the tutorial, man. This game is pu punishingly, punishingly de demanding. Like... The learning curve, man. And, like, everything you're saying. Yeah, you have to, like, like, oh, I gotta marry off this second nephew of mine to the proper family. Otherwise, uh, disaster. And, like... Yeah, otherwise, you won't have the respect. You won't have the land. You won't have the income. And it's like that to, like, maybe the 1,000th extent. So if you're somebody who really likes to uh, micromanage, like, every Micro. single... Micro... 
Yeah. And I'm talking about every single resource. Like, maybe there are close to a thousand tabs you'll have to interact with throughout your uh, your regular duties because you have to click on everyone, talk to everyone, move your army everywhere. There's not really an automated quick way to do it. And I thought Crusader Kings 3 would be a little bit more like Risk with a political uh, push to it or a political edge. I was hoping but for like is, Civ or something, yeah. It is so much more than that and so much less than that. It is not a combat, walk your armies across, take over the world type of game. It can be once you start steamrolling, but it is very much a um, medieval role-play simulator as a head of a house of all the political things you would have to do and all the people you have to schmooze. Uh, it's it's like all the collecting. boring parts about running a kingdom. Yeah, it's yeah. It's not even like answering your vassals' calls for help. It's it's just all the boring parts. It it's really managing is. your vassals being mad at each other. <laughs> it's yeah, like, it's like I don't want to do that. I don't know. Uh, I think it could be fun if once you get over like the steep steep learning curve and you master the use of the thousand tabs. Uh, but man, like even me, like I love those kinds of games. Like me and you both love Civ. You know, we love the complex strategy, the, the, what do you call them? Grand strategy games. You know, I've even like even Stellaris, which mm -hmm. is complex as hell. Uh, this game I feel is a little bit more so. And I don't, I don't think that it's for me. I, um, I missed Mount and Blade because mm -hmm. Mount and Blade, I thought had a really good balance between, the, the politics of being a medieval leader and the combat and the wars and just the, the way the combat was fought was fun enough. Um, Crusader Kings is not like Mountain Blade. Crusader Kings is not like Risk. It's not like Civ. It is almost a tab simulator game, like <laughs> Jahan said, where you yeah. try to keep your vassals from hating you or overthrowing you while in the meantime trying to fight armies to take over land and then uh, have their people mad at you while you try to reinstate yourself as their new monarch. It's just maybe not maybe not for me, which I, to Jahan's point, I thought it would be. We like grand strategy games. I don't say Crusader Kings 3 is not fresh, and I'm glad I didn't spend a dollar on it. Um, I played it for maybe three or four hours. I'll probably play it for another three or four hours this week, maybe even eight. And maybe I'll report back next time and tell you I didn't hate it as much as I thought I would. But I'm, I am I almost uninstalled it after like the first five hour mark, uh, four hour <laughs> mark. It was like, that's that's enough for me. No. Uh, I'll try to get back to it. I, Have you I been too, playing I anything else? Another... John or Drew? Uh, yeah, so. I wanted to talk, so I recently acquired a hilarious amount of games. <laughs> a hilarious amount of games. Um, I got, if you're familiar with the uh, site Humble Bundle, right? You kind of pay what you want. Uh, and, like, they have really good deals. Like, they have a, like, a, a subscription you can sign up for where you get to pick a game from a list every month. Uh, for like $12. Sometimes there's like AAA titles. and You know, you can get good deals. But they also do these massive bundles. And one of them was the Stand With Ukraine bundle. Uh, and because of the seriousness of the whole situation going on over there, and the fact they really want to help, they, they, they put a lot of stuff in this bundle. Uh, 
I'm not going to lie. I got this mostly not for the games. I got this because it has uh, it had some uh, game development software in here that I was interested in. Because, you know, I've, I've been messing around with, like, making a video game. Uh, and, like, I wanted to check it out. They had some learning stuff here, uh, like RPG Maker and that kind of stuff. That was worth the price of mission. I paid 45 for this whole bundle. Uh, and you can pay, I think you could get everything if you just paid 40 I paid a little extra because I was like, you know, Ukraine, I want, you know, go Ukraine. $5 for the Ukrainian children. Oh, $45. <laughs> but no, an extra five. An extra, an extra five, five, yeah. Uh, but games include, like, This War of Mine, uh, which is an award-winning game. Uh, Back for Blood was on this list. You get Back for Blood. Uh they had, like, the Metro series was on here. That game, Quantum Break, where you can, like, control time. Was um, Back for Blood the sequel to uh, Turning Red? <laughs> Come on, Gary. Come on. Uh, and then, like, the Fable Anniversary uh, set and Spiral Reignited trilogy. Uh, those are just some of the games. You know, there's a bunch of... There's, like, Starbound... Uh, I've already listed enough games for it to be worth the $45, you know? And I just, like, seriously, there's, like, 40 games in this bundle. Uh, Wargroove, that's a fun one. If you liked Advance Wars, uh, Wargroove is, like, a fantasy Advance Wars. Um, Drawful, 911 Operator, which I actually am more excited to play than I want to admit. <laughs> uh, it sounds like fun. You like controlling where, like, first responders go. To try and like do a good job, uh, Driftlands, uh, which is not Driftlands, but it is Driftlands. I think Driftlands is a top-down, like three-quarter rally car game. No, that's not what this is. <laughs> no, this is okay. Driftland, the Magic Revival. But I see what you're saying. Uh, Book of Demons looks fun. Just so many games. Uh, and, like, I don't know when I'm going to have the time to play them all. There was also a surprising amount of VR content in here. Uh, mm. Slinger VR, which is a game where in VR you can, like, Spider-Man swing around on, like, these ropes. And you go through obstacle courses and, like, race people. Which sounds like a lot of fun. I don't have a VR headset yet. But when I do, I have, like, six games already. <laughs> um, but there's just so many games. And then on top of that, there was also... Uh, Pathfinder and Starfinder 2nd Edition, which are... T uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition, Starfinder 1st Edition, uh, which are TTRPGs uh, from uh, Paizo Entertainment. Uh, it is essentially like old-school Dungeons & Dragons, uh, like 3rd Edition, and that was part of this bundle, too. There's also a bunch of comic books, um, like The Boys. There's a couple of The Boys books. Uh, just a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of content, man. Um, RPG Maker was the primary reason I got this because honestly the $45 is worth it just for that and on top of that I got like two RPG books and then a bunch of other software and then a bunch of video games like a serious ridiculous amount of video games that I'll never be able to play I played a couple of them uh, some of them were kind of mad I played this game called Earth X in where it's like a really indie game that could have been better, uh, but you're trying to like launch stuff into space essentially. Uh, and it was fine, it was fun for a minute. Uh, and then what was the game? Oh man, one of them I'm gonna check real quick. One of them I played, I will actually say, kind of surprised me a lot. Which one was it? I have it, it's one of my ones that's installed. 
So it's oh yeah, Crying Sons. So Crying Sons surprised me. That's uh, the sequel to Crying Daughters. <laughs> uh, Crying Sons is a sci-fi epic kind of thing. Uh, it's it's an indie game. It has like those pixel art uh, looks, but like they do it in an interesting way. So like you have like everyone's pixels, right? And then you're standing in front of this like window into space as you're piloting your spaceship, essentially. You're telling it to go places. The whole thing like moves, and like it gives you a real sense of like traveling through space, and it looks really cool. Uh, and the story so far has been interesting. And you're kind of doing like these ship battles, uh, like a strat, like a tactics game. Uh, and so there's definitely some quality here, uh, and that's what I've been doing with my time, including playing Timberborn. Well, speaking of ship battles, um, I got to the end of Our Flag Means Death. It's an HBO Max show directed by Taika Waititi. I talked about it last time, uh, I think at length. I really think you guys should watch this. I watched a few episodes. I watched the first episode. I watched several, uh, and it was funny. I was laughing pretty hard. The whole flag situation was really funny. Uh, I liked when uh, that dude came on their boat and the, like towards the beginning. Was that the first episode? The guy he knew from like private school or whatever. Or... Yes. Yeah, that was funny, man. That was really funny, and like <laughs> the whole accidental death thing, hilarious <laughs> beyond all. Like I knew exactly what he was doing when he picked up the whale. I was like, oh no, that guy. You know, I don't know. It was so good. The characters are great. The humor is great. Uh, Taika Waititi, when he finally showed up, was hilarious. Um, and that whole thing where they're looking at the... They're making fun of the homemade pirate flags in front of the pirates, and they're, like, defending... It's, that's, <laughs> that was really... That was top-tier comedy, dude. That, uh, uh, that type of comedy sticks around. They come across some more ruthless bands of pirates that are uh, much more ruthless than them. And after a while, they kind of start winning people over to <laughs> be a little bit more like them. Like, hey, whenever there's a problem with the crew, what do we do? Talk it out. Like, all we'll say it together. <laughs> yeah, it's really funny. Uh, and then I was really uh, happy to see, what, what's her, uh, Leslie Jones, I believe her name is. Yes, that's uh, right. She's in this. I wasn't expecting her. Uh, and it's Not just. Not only is she in it, uh, Fred Armisen is the bar. Fred Armisen is in it. <laughs> Yeah, and man. One there's of so her many husbands. It's such a good. It, it is really. A, it's a delightful show. It's very it, funny. Uh, it's easy watching. Um, you I'm could probably fan. watch it with kids, even though there is some violence and references. But um, I'm a big fan of Our Flag Means Death. The way the series finale, um sort of a lot happens in the last two episodes and it's they kind of take you on this real like emotional journey uh they really ask you to come along on this emotional journey in the last two because at, at some point i was kind of thinking where is this show going it sort of reminds me of what we do in the shadows which is just kind of a show about vampires doing nothing yeah. and i almost didn't want to watch pirates do nothing except that it's very funny and i would probably watch a few seasons of it but the way that the season ends is on a much more emotional note. Um, and it ends in a place where I, even now, having watched it a week or two ago, am still curious where they're going to go with it. I'm curious for season two. I want to see more. Uh, I'm excited with the way it ended. It was a good season finale. Um, that's Our Flag Means Death on HBO Max. It's only 10 episodes, and I think each one 
runs about 20 minutes or so. It's, uh, they're it's not long very episodes. Funny. I, 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 I'd say it's certified fresh. Super fresh. Out the box. It's, yes. Also on HBO Max while I'm here, uh, let me just talk about winning time, and then I'll, I'll pass the floor. I'm um, all caught up on this one. Okay, cool. I, I think I'm also caught up on winning time. Uh, Winning Time is HBO Max show. I've talked about it before. It is the story of Magic Johnson sort of making his rookie debut in the NBA, along with the story of Dr. Jerry Buss, who is buying the failing L.A. Lakers during a failing time for the NBA. uh, And he spends every last dime he has basically just buying the team. So paying anybody's checks or, or or establishing events, paying for shirts and marketing. He doesn't really have the money for that, but no one knows that. He's just a very, uh, this is John C. Riley plays Jerry Buzz. So he's just a very magnetic character who always acts like everything's perfect and a ray of sunshine and he's got it going on. And so it's, it's great to see, um, it's, it's just a great performance by John C. Riley, And it's a fun story. It's a period piece in the seven or early eighties, I guess, late seventies, early eighties. And so a lot of the film has that same approach. A lot of the shots are the same. Uh, and they use some filters, I think, to make it look uh, vintage, which is a fun, a fun thing. A lot of the shots don't add up. And sometimes there are weird shots of people's hands uh, when it should be shots of people's faces, uh, things like that, things from that era. I like winning time and I'm not a big sports guy. If you're looking for a dramedy to watch, and especially if you're looking for a dramedy and you're a fan of John C. Riley, because I am both of those things. And though I don't give a damn about basketball, I do enjoy winning time. It's sort of like uh, how I didn't care about soccer and I still love Ted Lasso. I don't care about basketball and I still like winning time. Yeah, I uh, I really like this show. It started off strong, I feel like, and it's only continued to get better. I thought the most recent episode, at the time we're recording this, there have been four total. So the fourth episode gets more into the basketball of it all, and I really liked to see that. I thought it started picking up with that. But yeah, I mean, as you kind of said, it just it's kind of covering the whole... 80s showtime era of the Lakers and how they got into that and kind of revamped a lot of things in the NBA, really. Um, and sports and, in general, a lot of sports kind of followed that same uh, that same kind of celebrity method. Uh, you know, putting celebrities on the front row and putting cheerleaders in scantily clad outfits instead of dressed in sweaters with long skirts. Uh, you know, the, the Lakers made some changes to sports. I think that you know, definitely American sports. And I think one of the things that has caught me off guard with the show is just how many people are in this show. Like everybody's <laughs> in this show. Cause John C. Riley's in it. As you said, uh, the guy who plays magic Johnson's named Quincy Isaiah. And I think he's kind of a relatively unknown, but like, Every, like Jason Clark plays Jerry West and Adrian Brody is in it as Pat Riley. And then, um, Tracy Letts just showed up in the most recent episode as Jack McKinney, but uh, Jason, Jason Siegel, Siegel. Yeah. yeah, played his is playing the uh, his assistant coach. Uh, I can't think of his name. Paul Paul West Westhead is that right? Um, but then yeah, I mean it's just Sally Field, isn't it? Uh, um, I'm sure there's more people that I'm that I haven't even touched on, but it's like everybody's in this show. 
So uh, I, that's been really enjoyable to watch. Is just like who's going to show up next? The scenes with the coach uh, seeing basketball like jazz, and the plays coming off of the page and just flying all around him in his mind while he just sits in his office, uh, and then you see him levitating out of his chair. I liked that. I thought that was a real cool way to show his creative process and his coaching in his mind. And, and there was some things like that in Wu Tang Saga as well that I liked a whole lot, but with music instead of basketball. So. Uh, I thought that was a really cool scene. That, that's that's all I'm trying to say. Yeah, I uh, I'm totally on, in for the show. I'm on board. It's it's that you know Sunday night. I think you mentioned that last time. Is it's that it's taken the Sunday night slot. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's taken that spot of Sopranos and Game of Thrones and Band of Brothers and uh, Peacemaker and you know Sunday night HBO show. You can almost guarantee it's going to be a pretty good show. Uh, they've been putting on good Sunday night shows for like 15, 20 years now. And speaking of, they, uh, I think the uh, House of the Dragon, the new Game of Thrones show, has a a official air date now. I think it's like August twenty first or something nice. like that. So, is that show gonna be like terrible? It can go I... either way, man. I I hope it's good. I am looking forward to it. Uh, it's got it's got Matt Smith in it. I'm excited for that. And it, it, they're dealing with a period of time in Westeros that Matt Smith is from cool. the fan favorite Morbius. Morbius, film. that's right. Glad and, we get to talk about that two weeks in a row. And Doctor Who, uh, but yeah, <laughs> no, but we're talking about what fans actually like. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah. would be Morbius. Oh yeah, Morbius. Yeah, that's true. yeah. You can't even Not remember Doctor his Who. name. You can't even remember his name in the other thing. <laughs> that's really funny alright uh, no, that's a good one but yeah no I'm actually I'm actually pretty hopeful for the House of the Dragon uh, I don't have high expectations though I am just hopeful I just I have a I just think it's going to be real bad it might I, I, I want it to be good also I, I like swords and dragons uh, so I don't want it to be bad I just I have See, a feeling my it's thinking be real is bad. Game of Thrones, like, ran for a long time denying us the things that it promised, which were the undead and dragons. And, like, they did not deliver on those promises forever, right? Um, it sounds like, like, they're just up front, like, hey, here's the dragons and stuff you guys were bitching about not having. So maybe, yeah, maybe it's good, you know? My, my main thing not to speculate too much, but regardless of, of whether House of Dragons is, is good or bad, the thing for me is that, like, I, since Game of Thrones ended, I haven't been sitting here hungry for more Game of Thrones. Like, no. it ended, and I'm good, you know? And we're gonna get more of it, and I'll I'll watch it, and, you know, I'll, I'll check it out for sure, but I'm, I'm not sitting here like, oh, you know, my mouth is watering, like, give me more Game of Thrones. Not at all. I think it'll be better than Wheel of Time, and we'll see how Lord of the Rings comes out, because that's the real question, right, is what's going to be better this year, Lord of the Rings or this Game of Thrones that nobody wants? That's, <laughs> that, that's the real question. I know where I put my money, but... Uh... Yeah. You're, you're a Lord of the Rings guy, huh? You think the $10 billion an episode or whatever is going to work out? I think it's going to, I think it's going to, I mean, if it doesn't, shame on <laughs> you, Amazon. You, 
I don't know. They have the budget. Like, it better be good. If it's not good, hire writers. You have the budget. <laughs> like, no excuses. There are no excuses for that being a bad show. Unless, like, Jeff Bezos is, like, hell-bent on being involved in the process and he just ruins it, but... This is a topic I'd love to come back to in a later episode yes. when both shows have come out. I would love to talk about it. I can't one. wait for this conversation, yes. Yeah, I'm excited. Earmark this one. Well, I uh, we've talked about games and TV shows. I have a bunch of movies to go through, because I've watched a lot here recently. Um... First off, I will talk about the movie called X. Have y'all heard of X? I think so. Yeah, man, it's what you take at a club to have a good time. <laughs> that's that's a good joke. Uh, Thanks. Um, this is a a slasher film that's in theaters. Um, it's a Blumhouse movie, and it's basically about a uh, a group of of young people who are filming a pornographic film and they actually the movie starts out and they're in Houston they're leaving Houston and they go outside of Houston basically to an old old man's home where he has like a guest house and they're staying at his guest house but he doesn't know that they are there to film a porno and uh his wife is old and creepy and of course um there are shenanigans that then happen during the course of their stay at this I, old man and woman's house i That's do want to see this premise. yeah no spoilers. it is um uh, it's really good if it's you good. are a fan of the slasher genre uh absolutely check this out it is kind of a breath of fresh air it's an original horror movie you know i right <laughs> had a lot of fun with it you know it's yeah exactly we're not not a remake not anything this it's is a halloween original. 12 the halloweeniest yeah <laughs> it's, uh, it's directed that's my and, favorite and, halloween by the way <laughs> it's directed and written by a guy named ty west and uh yeah i mean i had a ton of fun with this it's got mia goth in it jenna ortega who she's been she was in the newest scream movie and she's in this so you know Seems like she's making the the horror rounds. Um, Kid Cudi's in it. Uh, um, Brittany Snow. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's it's just it's 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 good. It's fun. It's uh, I I had a great time with it. And as a kind of slight, not a spoiler for what happens in the movie, but uh, at the end of the credits, there's a trailer for a prequel movie to this one. So the director <laughs> actually filmed this movie and a prequel back to back, uh, during the time and budget he had. So, um, I will be excited to see that. And I mentioned recently how I had watched uh, Texas chainsaw massacre relatively recently. So seeing this, it, you know, had a lot of tributes to it and, and to a bunch of other horror movies, but, uh, no, I, I, I had a great time with this. I'd recommend it. Um, it's only in theaters right now. I, I don't know when it'll be, you know, streaming or on demand or anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I had a great time with this. Certified fresh? Certified fresh. Hell yeah. Out of the box. Uh, we had to say that last part. Certified fresh out the box, for sure. <laughs> the, I don't get in trouble. <laughs> the next movie is uh, Death on the Nile. Uh, this is the newest whodunit uh, 
directed by Kenneth Branagh, and it features the the famed detective Hercule Poirot. And uh, this is, you know, basically the sequel to Murder on the Orient Express that came out about five years ago. Um, this is an old Agatha Christie book, so there's been interpretations of this before, but this is the newest one that stars, um, you know, Gal Gadot's in it, uh, Annette Benning, and uh, Russell Brand, and a whole bunch of people are in Russell it. Russell Brand? He hasn't been in anything. Yeah, he's in it. He plays the Doctor. Welcome back, Russell Brand. But um, have he either was, of y'all uh, He's seen... been busy fucking your mother. <laughs> uh... <laughs> okay, so anyways, Jahan, thank you for that. Uh, um, now, did either of y'all see Murder on the Arnie Express, the Kenneth Branham one? No. Okay. I mean, it's just more of the same. If you like whodunits, you know, maybe this is for you. I thought this one's kind of slow. I'll say this. It's two hours and seven minutes long with credits. It, uh, I, I checked the, the death on the Nile referred to in the title, the actual whodunit regarding the murder. The murder doesn't happen till like an hour and five minutes into the movie. So okay. take that for what it's worth. I, I just thought it was kind of a, a slog to get there. But once we got there, you know, I get they have to introduce all the characters, but once they got to it, and the whodunit starts, it's it's entertaining enough. But overall, it is just fine. I would say it's certified meh out the <laughs> bo- box, is what I'd say. <laughs> yeah, I actually looked at this the other day. I pulled it up, I looked at the cast, and then I was like, is this a comedy? I was like, no, no, I don't think it is. All right, I'm not watching this. Nope, this is a, a, a whodunit, is what I'd call it. So. It can be a whodunit and a comedy, but last time that happened, it was one of those terrible Adam Sandler Netflix movies, and boy, was that bad. Ooh, murder uh, mystery? Ooh, and how can I forget the name? Yeah, I believe they're making a sequel to it, because it was dreamed by so many people. What are you talking Lucky. about? Murder. Oh, you never saw the Adam Sandler movie called Murder Mystery? No. Adam Sandler and uh, Jennifer Aniston and no. was on Netflix. <laughs> oh my god, this sounds terrible. It uh, was. It's bad. I mean, I want I, I, I am kind of interested to see uh, Death on the Orient Express. I did really like Knives Out. Uh, that's the most recent whodunit I feel like I've seen, uh, and that one was really good. Knives Out is kind of, you know, is the best modern version of a whodunit we've probably had in... A long time. Yeah. It, that, Since, it, like, Clue. <laughs> if you haven't seen Knives Out, and you're trying to debate between seeing Have that you not seen Knives being, Out, Gary? It's, so, it's no. very good. Oh, yeah. I'd say definitely watch Knives Out before you'd watch Death on the Yeah, Night. no. If you're going to watch any whodunit, Knives Out's the best one around right now. I think when Knives Out came out, I was at a time when I wasn't watching anything with any violence at all. Uh, so you're not going to have to worry too much. It's not really very triggering. Okay. Uh, there, I think that like you might see... I don't even know if they ever show the body, honestly. Yeah, Knives Out's good. They're and it's really you know, it's it's not it's not too triggering. Uh, Ryan I, I Johnson wrote and directed that one, and he's there's a sequel coming out this year because um, Netflix purchased the rights to the sequels, and so Knives Out two will be out in the fall and has another big you know they it's big cast. Knives Out the first one, uh, Daniel Craig plays the detective, but of course it's got like, gosh, everybody's in that movie. Chris Evans and Jamie Lee Curtis and. Um, 
Ana de Armas and Christopher Plummer, and there's a whole bunch of people. The newest one, I know, like, Dave Bautista's in it. And yeah! Kate Hudson and Edward Norton. I do love and... me some Batistas. I love me some Batistas, too. I also oh, yeah. love Eddie Eddie Norton. Mm, yeah. But yeah, no, I, I seriously, I can't recommend Knives Out enough. Uh, check it out. I, I don't think you it should be... where it's streaming sure. off the top of your head? I believe it's on Prime Video. I could go check Prime after this. It was at some point. It's It should be streaming somewhere. Yeah, no, you and A should watch it after this. It's, it's a good movie. But anyways, um, sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean to be Speaking of, uh, hey, that actually links to the next one, because Ana de Armas is the lead of the first Knives Out, and she's the lead of another movie that I watched called Deep Water. Um, this is an interesting movie because it is directed by Adrian. First off, it's directed by Adrian Lyne. And he is a famous director known for, like, erotic thrillers. Um, kind of one of the originals. He did he did Flashdance and Fatal Attraction and, you know, things like that like, back in the day. He hasn't directed a movie in, like, 20 years. And he came, I don't know if he was in retirement, but basically came back and decided to film this movie called Deepwater. Stars Ben Affleck and, and Ana de Armas. And this was while Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas were in a relationship that it, during COVID. Like, you know, Ben Affleck broke up with uh, Jennifer Garner and then was with Ana de Armas for a hot minute. And then they split and now he's back with Jennifer Lopez. And, you know, in, in fresh out the pop culture minute here, um, that's the update there. But this, so... While Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas were together, they filmed this erotic thriller with Adrian Lyne, and then before it could come out, they broke up. So the studio was like, I don't know what to do with this movie, and so it just kind of got dumped quietly on Hulu. There was, like, no no um, big, like, media hoopla about it, but it's there. And I watched it, and it's fine. It's kind of fun, but dumb. Um... I won't go too much into the plot of it. I mean, it's an erotic thriller with Ben Affleck and Ana de Armas. What more do you need to know? Ben Affleck's kind of in do Gone you... Girl mode. <laughs> I in have it. a question. Do you see Ben Affleck's hammer? No, you do not. All right. Only the worthy can lift Ben Affleck's hammer. <laughs> <laughs> gonna pa- I'm going to pass on that one then. No I think, I think you see him with a literal hammer, like the tool. That's not what, what, not that's what an, I believe. Honestly, that's an interesting note. <laughs> I appreciate it, Drew. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's fine. If you like this genre, sure, check it out. Why not? It's fun. Erotic I thrillers? Don't... Is that the genre? that you're? Yes, yeah. yes, okay. it's the genre. <laughs> Just check it. It's, like a, it's a thing, John. That was a big thing in the 80s, especially. <laughs> I don't know why it's funny. I need to grow up, I guess. I think they kind of fell out of style, but that was like a big deal back in the like, Fatal Attraction, those movies, and then it, I think it just, I don't know if people grew up from them or what, but it was a thing. I watch, Everyone in my family is an adult, but we do watch a lot of movies together, and I don't think I want to become aroused around my family. So, Well, why not? I become aroused around your family all the time. Boom! He got me! The, the next <laughs> movie I was going to talk about is probably... A bit of a weird movie for me to talk about on this show, because I don't think it would appeal to anybody in our audience, but I will mention it because um, I thought it was very powerful. Um, it's a movie called Mass, 
And this is like an actor showcase. Uh, this stars Reed Bernie and Dowd, uh, Jason Isaacs, and Martha Plimpton. So it's like a very small cast. It takes place all in one room. But um, who is there? Who plays Commander Shepard? <laughs> I, I get it. I get. I get your joke there. Um, with this, so Mass Effect. That's a Mass Effect joke for anybody. The Mass, yeah, that's Mass Effect all day. No, this, so uh, this is Reed, Ber Bernie, and Dowd, Jason Isaacs. Yes. Okay. Just make sure I have the right one pulled up here. Yeah, and this is. I mean, this movie could actually be potentially triggering to some people, so I want to give that acknowledgement. But it's a small movie about a couple of grieving parents who, uh... looking at Wikipedia, the their description says. It stars grieving parents who meet to discuss a tragedy involving their sons, which what that's not saying and which I'll outright say is it, it's about a the parents of a son who committed a mass shooting at a school Ooh. meeting with the parents of a son who was killed in that mass shooting. That it's been like an ongoing thing. So it's a very powerful movie. If you like any of these actors, I'd watch it. It's not a movie that you like go around recommending to people like, hey, make sure you go watch this movie. But um, it sounds pretty upsetting. Yeah. I, but it was um, it was very powerful, so I just wanted to mention it because I did watch it. Um, so that's called Mass. Um, it's on Hulu now, streaming. But um, the complete opposite of that is the Disney Plus original film remake of Cheaper by the Dozen, starring Gabrielle Union and Zach Braff. I watched I so this. almost watched this. I was <laughs> so close. Here's here's all I'll say about it because I don't think anybody needs me to go in into detail about this movie. You know exactly what you're getting. They have a lot of this kids, and it's funny. This <laughs> movie is what happens nowadays when in 2022 an AI were to create a movie with the prompt "Family Movie Night." That that is what spits out this movie. It's you know, obviously you've got Zach Braff, Gabrielle Union, so you have a large mixed race family. There's a lot of references to like social movements in this movie. Totally fine, like you know, but 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 the way that it's integrated in is like an AI said. This is how we have to make movies now, and so yeah, it's, they just like painted it on top. Like this exactly. is the, this is the skeleton of a movie painted with all the 2022 things that people want to hear. It's a bit surface level. I'll put it that okay. way. You know, okay. almost like doing it not because they wanted to, but maybe because they felt like they had to. I don't want to make any assumptions. That sounds probably very terrible. Um, but but this movie was probably more fun than it had any right to be. But it definitely comes off like a Disney Channel original movie. Uh, I always liked the story cheaper by the dozen uh, in its yeah. written form. Uh, and then I, mean, I even was... kind of liked the Steve Martin movie. Um, and that one's, I'd say, better than this one. Okay. Um, this one, just, I mean, it's just goofy. Um, so, yeah. So that's it. I don't really have much to say about it other than I watched it. <laughs> If you want, if you if this if you find this interesting, or or if you think <laughs> this might be charming, you'll you'll probably find something to be enjoyed out of it. But it's not like a great movie. But I, but if you have younger kids, like maybe 
in the like eight to ten range, and you're like, hey, let's have a family movie night. Like this is a perfect movie to watch. Yeah, this makes me remember. I can't remember what the movie was, but like it was when my aunt, uncle, and cousin were all living here after their house flooded. Uh, they lived with us for like six months, and we were doing movie nights all the time. And we we found it was definitely it was a family movie, and I just can't remember for the life of me what it was called, but it was so bad but we watched the whole thing anyways i don't remember what it was that's all i got well anyway that's cheaper by the dozen i'm almost done i promise <laughs> um you guys that's a lot of watch. movies back to back to back i uh, i rewatched interstellar um christopher nolan movie i you know i've been watching a few of the older nolan movies just because and uh, I had not rewatched Interstellar since seeing it in theaters, and it's still a solid movie. I think I thought I was going to like it more on a rewatch than I did. I still think it's really great, but it, I, I stick with that. It's just really great. It is. Uh, it is pretty good. I haven't seen Interstellar. Should I see Interstellar? It's pretty good, man. I really like uh, the way that they deal with like gravitational time dilation and like that kind of thing. And uh, yeah, gravity plays a big role, and and how it controls time. Which is true. Yes. So, like, um, like Gary, as an example, and this is the type of thing that I think is most interesting about the movie. First off, it takes place kind of on, like, a not post-apocalyptic Earth, because it's not. But it, like, takes place in the future where the the Earth is just kind of being ravaged. It's, by, like, like, pre-apocalyptic. And so, you know, plants aren't growing as much like Earth is basically dying. And so they're trying to find a new habitable planet for Earth. And Matthew McConaughey is this pilot, you know, former space pilot and gets sent on this trip. And, and Matthew McConaughey is actually really great in this movie. I think it's one of his better performances. Yeah, um, he does. He does a good but, job. But they go through a um, like a black hole in the in the movie. That's a big Essentially, yeah. Plan. And so when they are on the other side and they're trying to explore the other planets, like because of one of the planets location in comparison to the black hole time on that planet moves differently so like if they were to go to that planet spending an hour on that planet would be the equivalent of seven years on earth so yeah. they're like in part of this journey having to to make risks and time things out because you know there's limited time left of earth so if they are there for too long you know they could kind of screw everything. It's, so. it's very interesting. It plays uh, with a lot of those cool. kinds of concepts. Yeah, they do a lot of that stuff. Uh, I know, like, a lot of space movies stumble when they deal with that subject matter. I feel like they do it very well in this. Uh, and it's very uh, new. Like, it's 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 fresh. Because, like, a lot of space movies are the same thing. It's like, oh, no, like, our air, it's gone, you know? And then, that's exactly like, that's... what I thought this was. was no. like, oh, no, I'm stranded in space. Oh, no. That's, like, one part disaster movie, two parts uh, space movie, and then, like, one part, like, science fiction, like, pretty high. Uh, I don't know. Okay. It's it's pretty solid, man. I like it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. It's it's good. I would I would recommend it. I think it's it's my favorite of Christopher Nolan's movies that aren't are revol involving Batman. It's up it there on my space movie list too. Yeah, it's 
It's very good. It's long though. It's like a good two mm. hours and forty. Yeah, it's pretty. Awesome. It's, pretty it's a it's a long one, but it's go pee, but it's good. Go pee before you start the movie and bring yeah. a pillar. <laughs> yeah, it's up there. See, uh, I don't know what I'd have to think about like my top space movies, but this is probably my. I mean, this is definitely my top ten. Uh, is it better than Jason X? <laughs> <laughs> no. Gonna go out on a limb and say that it probably is better than Jason, no, Jason X. X is. Oh man. Drew, you not seen Jason X? I, I have not seen Jason X. You haven't seen? Oh man, it's like, God, I want to explain the plot to you. It it, it is like <laughs> Jason mixed with Power Rangers. It's like it's... Jason, yeah. It's it's like Jason. I mean, it's Jason in space, and like, I guess it's like an archaeological survey, like space people, and they're. They, there's like this frozen, like oh yeah, there's this like cryo jail that we recently unearthed, and they like take his pod onto the ship, and he thaws out, and and then from there it's pretty standard like Friday the Thirteenth, like killing people while they're having sex kind of stuff. It's pretty funny. Friday the Thirteenth is actually admittedly kind of a blind spot for me. I've seen the original Friday the Thirteenth. Mm. Um. Which, as we, as you know, everybody knows now, like that's it's Jason's mom is the killer in that one. Like yeah. it's not even Jason. So I've seen that one, and then I, that's it. I, all I've seen of the original ones, and I've seen the remake that came out in like twenty. Two thousand nine. Yeah, and I remember actually thinking that one was kind of fun for what it was. I just remember yeah. I think we've talked about this moment on on this podcast before. But there's a part where he stabs the machete down into the dock and it goes into the girl's head. That's yep. the part I remember from that movie. Yeah. Don't, you don't remember the part whenever it cuts to him for no reason. He has a bow and then shoots an arrow like 300 yards across the lake and hits a lady who's skiing topless right in between <laughs> the chest. You don't remember that? <laughs> I, I didn't remember that. That sounds yeah, great. Right at the third. There's, a, there's a lot of great. See, Jason Voorhees. I feel like he's pretty, it's very standard. Like, it's like, eh, people going to die. Like, he'll do a funny situational death, essentially, to everybody. Uh, I don't know. He's almost the formula itself, you know? Drew, this next movie, it looks like it's called Polanski. (laughs) Yes, this movie's called After Yang. Uh, That's a shout out to my friend Chris Polanski. His uh, he his wife's name was Yang, and then she got married, and so now it's Polanski. <laughs> I get it. I get it. I get, Thanks, I get Drew. It. Drew sold it big for me. <laughs> so um, after Yang was actually released at Sundance this year, um, back in January, and it is already on Showtime. Is that the Penguin? What Sundance? What's what's this joke you're making? Your joke went over my is head. That, Explain is that, your joke to me so I can see how funny the it actor, is. the the guy. Oh, it is the penguin. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. It's, uh, st- it stars Colin Farrell. Yeah. Gary's favorite. There you go. <laughs> Sorry, I missed where you were going. With it. Um, <laughs> no, this is um yeah it premiered at Sundance. It's on uh, debuted on Showtime. So I watched this through Hulu. Um, with Showtime, but it is a A24 movie about a family that has an android and his name is Yang. 
and he malfunctions and they're trying to kind of figure out what's wrong with him or trying to get him working again. Interesting. It takes place in the future. Um, this movie is good. It's okay. kind of an art film. So, you know, it has this kind of sci-fi premise, like I said, but it's portrayed really as an art film. So I put that out there. Um, I think it's good and it's very well done, but man, it's only an hour and a half long, but like, it feels like three hours when you're watching it. Like, I don't know if that's an endorsement. <laughs> it's, oh, that I, I just, I just have to be honest with it. Like, I think this movie is very, okay, let me take a step back. The last act of this movie, the very end of this movie pulled it all together for me really well. And I thought it was very powerful and moving, but a lot of getting to that point was like, just like it, it took its nice slow steps to get there. Um, um, better or worse than Bicentennial Man? Better than Bicentennial Man. Mm. Not as good as Artificial Intelligence. Mm. Mm. So right between Hell and Jill Osmond and uh, uh, and Bobby Robin Bobby Williams. Williams. Robin Williams, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I really like AI. This one, um, you know, it takes itself very seriously, and uh, and it's good. Colin Farrell is is very good in it. But yeah, it's this is a very quiet movie. Um, but I just wanted to note that I had seen it, and if it sounds interesting to you, then you should check it out. Kind of does. Just you know, this is not like a blockbuster for the masses. So I'll put yeah. it that way. I really liked AI. I really liked Bicentennial Men. Uh, I greatly enjoyed Ex Machina. Um, I feel like I like the whole uh, Android thing. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that. So that's uh, that's after Yang on show. It's on Showtime. You can watch it there. And that's it. That's all the movies I've been watching. But I, it was a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of movies. You've been you've been doing some film watching. How are your eyes treating you, buddy? They're good. They're good. Good. It's I'm glad movies, to hear man. that. Uh, yeah, you, you watch, watch, you watch a lot, man. That's not a joke. I watched all those, but but to be fair, I did not watch as much TV this time. Like I've caught, I've I'm up to date with Winning Time, and I'm caught up on. I watched the Halo show and Moon Knight, and like that's pretty much all I've been watching on the TV front. So to be fair, to I've be just fair. been putting my time in the movies. <laughs> yeah, man, you've been you've been putting it down. Yeah, the only thing I had to talk about, and like briefly, uh, been having. Me and Jen have been watching, rewatching the Harry Potter movies, because uh, she's only seen like them once and like a long time ago, <clears throat> and I've seen them lots because that's the kind of watcher I am. I like to rewatch things. Um, we just finished Half Blood Prince. Honestly, I mean, in a lot of ways, uh, some of the some of the movies are better than I remember. Um, Actually, in a lot I, of these ways, these are all pretty relatively fresh for me because I watched all of these during quarantine. Yeah, uh, when COVID first started, so I've I somewhat recently rewatched all the Harry Potter movies, with the exception of the Fantastic Beasts movies, which I still fair. I'm gonna try to revisit because from the time this episode drops, um, honestly, the new yeah. the new Fantastic Beasts movie will be out, which I actually haven't seen. The second Fantastic Beasts movie, I've only seen the first. I one. actually really liked the first one. Uh, the the first Fantastic Beast. I thought the first one was really cool. I enjoyed the time period in which it takes place. I enjoyed seeing uh, American wizards. I enjoyed 
you know, the culture shock. I enjoyed the creatures. I really liked the characters a lot. Um, the second movie is more of the same. If you liked the first one, you'll like the second one. The, the second one, uh, I felt, was not as good. Uh, but it was def- it was watchable. You know, it wasn't like, uh, but I am upset. Uh, like, I understand why they I did it, it. but I own it on 4K Blu-ray and haven't watched yeah. it. Never seen it. Like, I understand why they recast him, and, like, you know, I support that decision, uh, whatever. It is what it is, I guess. But and just the fact that uh, the main villain is going to be a different person kind of sucks, just, you know, in general. Um, For me, though, it incur- like, I love Mad- Mads Mikkelsen, so, like, I it makes me want to catch up on the other ones to be able to go see the new one, because He I does like look Mads like he's going to do a good much. job, uh... I don't know. I it's just you know it's never fun when they have to recast for non-story reasons and stuff like that. It's just never fun. Very true. Um, um, that was Johnny Depp's character, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He, you know what? I'm fine with it being recast because Johnny Depp it was just kind of Johnny Depp in that role, anyways. You know, yeah. There was nothing. There was nothing outstanding about that character. It well, wasn't like recasting Heath Ledger's Joker. Yeah. <laughs> He's and... just recasting pale Johnny Depp standing there with contacts in. It's fair. Oh. <laughs> and we've been beating this drum for a while, but like, I know Gary's not a fan, but like, I really like Colin Farrell. And I really liked Colin Farrell in the first one. And I liked his reveal as, as the villain. And then it turned out to be Johnny Depp in disguise. So it just kind of seemed like that moment was more of like a, Hey, look! You got got. Here's this other actor to deflect from the fact that we just gave Colin Farrell the short straw, and then I never thought about it like that. That is kind of bust. It's like, hey, all of Colin Farrell's good acting and coolness, and (laughs) here you go, Johnny Depp. It was Johnny Depp the whole time. That's how good of an actor he is. I don't know. Uh, I'm, I'm not the biggest Johnny Depp fan, anyways. I'm not the biggest either. I, I mean, I really like him at Pirates, and you know, certain other things he's pretty good at. Uh, I don't. I'm still gonna watch this movie. I'm still probably gonna like it because I'm a I'm a Potter guy. Um, oh, speaking of Potter guy, uh, marijuana was legalized in my state just a couple yesterday. Congratulations! Now I'm a Potter guy, I'm a Potter guy too. Thanks. Congratulations! Yeah, Gary moved to, <laughs> to New Mexico, and they. Almost immediately legalized pot just for him. Uh, <laughs> pretty, pretty flippin' sweet. Um, yeah. And then also, speaking of Potter, guys, I'm still really excited for the video game. I know that you guys had been talking about it and looking at it recently. That it looks so. The legacy of Hogwarts looks like it's going to be a top, like one of the best. It's going to be a top tier game. I think it's going to be really good. Yeah, we never talked about that on the show, but they did the Sony actually did the PlayStation State of Play on that game, which mm-hmm. is going to be multi-platform. It'll be on Xbox also. But man, yeah, I thought it looked great. I it thought looks, it looked super fun. It looks really good. Like yeah, I, you get to pick your house. Uh, it's like open world. You attend classes. Uh, it takes place like in the past a bit. I think like the night the, the like early 1900s or like the late 18. I don't know. It doesn't take place in modern day necessarily. Um, and you get to the travel around thing. and do cool fights and stuff. I don't know. The only thing they have to do now is make it four-player co-op. 
They're pretty sick. One step at a time. One I think step they've at a confirmed time. that it is single player and yeah, no microtransactions or anything like I'll that. I'll play it. It looks really cool. Uh, I does. hope that enough people buy it and play it that they make the next one multiplayer. That's all I'm saying. If we ask for it, we'll get what we want. Heck yeah, and Gary and I could could play together and fly around on our little broomsticks. Oh man, yeah, we can play Quidditch. Can. I was thinking you could do Quidditch, right? I want to play Quidditch a... in VR. I think that. You think fun. you have to be the seeker when you play Quidditch in that game, or you think you get to choose your position? Every other position is completely moot. No, I want to play the bludger. No, none of the other roles right. matter. Yeah, the huh? beater. The beater. Isn't it? It's called the beater, and the ball is. Yeah, the. Blood. The bludger is the bludger? Is that right? the blood yeah. But your job is to <laughs> remember. There's a ball called the quaffle. The quaffle. Yeah. All right. So the quaffle is the main ball that's, uh, that's the one you handled. Points. Yeah, and then the beaters beat the blodger, which is like the cursed living cannonball that like attacks. Yeah. You. So yeah. you like try to so knock stupid. people. You try to knock people out with a cannonball. No, what's stupid, Drew, is the fact that whoever catches the snitch <laughs> gets 150 points for their team. Yeah, the point system for Quidditch makes no sense. Every well, goal you score is like 10 points or something. That's because Quidditch games can go on for days and days and days at the Quidditch World Cup. It doesn't just end in a couple hours. So winning the, catching the snitch yes. doesn't really always win the game for you. Yeah, but if you're behind by 150 points... It uh, happens... Or, I don't know, man. It my happens favorite, at the Quidditch World Cup. My favorite's all the people that play Quidditch in real life that, that like run around that's in fields. On hilarious, fields. and I like it. All of those people um, are a bunch of weebs. I, so you use that word wrong. First off, second off, I salute <laughs> you, Quidditch players of the world. And I know. third off, You're fuck nerd. you. You're a bunch of big old nerds. <laughs> nerds is fun. I still think there's something to be in a beater and just smashing people in the face with a ball. I don't know how you guys don't think that seems like fun. I, I think it seems like fun. No. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. So, hey, that's fresh out the potter. Uh, you guys got anything else? You know, actually, the reason Drew came back a few minutes late was because he was fresh off the potter. That's true. <laughs> that is true. That's true. <laughs> Oh boy. Well, this has been episode 40 of Fresh Out the Podcast. Man, we're almost in a year here. Drew Munhausen. Yeah, you can find me at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. Yeah, episode 40. We'll only uh, 12 more weeks. More, and we've been doing this for a full year. Getting close. Crazy. Wow. Uh, but yeah, he's been Drew. Yeah, Drew Munhausen. Check him out. He's Look at him. Just look at his where can we, face. Where can we where can everybody find y'all? Hey, I'm Jahananan. I'm at RockFact on Twitter, at Jahananan1 on TikTok. And that's where you can find me and talk to me and love me. And I'm a cool gay. I'm CasualtyCDG. And you can find me at CasualtyCDG. If you like tabletop role-playing games like Dungeons & Dragons, except not Dungeons & Dragons, Jahan and I play tabletop games three nights a week. Right now, we're playing Icons by Steve Kinson, where I play as a teleporting duplicator. We're also playing Wild Sea by Felix Isaacs, where I play as a sentient colony of spiders. And, of course, we have our recurring Modern Age game every other Friday. Also, uh, tell your friends to go and give us a like, a couple of five stars or something like that, in the Apple iMusic store, however you do that. We love you. Stay fresh, everyone.